You're listening to Asset Arrest, helping you see the most exclusive parts of the city. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Asset Arrest, a podcast in which each episode centres around a viewing of a different luxury property that I attend masquerading as a potential buyer with a different invited guest each time. This episode is the first of a series of five or six Berlin-based episodes that have been made possible thanks to a residency supported by the Newbridge Project in Newcastle, Durham University's Politics of Urban Social Innovation Project and ZKU, Centre for Art and Urbanistics in Berlin where I'm currently living and working from. This episode features a viewing of a two-bedroom apartment at Schoenhauser Alley 55 in Prenzlauerberg with architectural theorist Tatiana Schneider, whose work is concerned with the social and economic mechanisms of the production of space. Tatiana and I had never met before and this was my first property I was to view in Berlin. With news of Berlin property prices increasing at a faster rate than anywhere else in the world in recent years, I was intrigued to see what your money can get you here. Since the fall of the wall in 1989, Berlin has reconstructed and reinvented itself, moving through various phases of land and property price increases in the central areas, the selling off of parts to developers from Europe and the US for retail and office developments, virtual projections of globalization towards Berlin achieving global city status, and ongoing struggles around increasing rents and rent control. Schoenhauser Alley 55 is a relatively small building with only a handful of apartments inside. I was dealing with an estate agent, not a property developer, and was told that the building was owned by an individual who had previously rented out the flats themselves but now wanted to sell the lot. The properties here ranged from around 0.6 of a million to nearly 4 million euros, and this was supposedly non-negotiable as the owner seemed in no great rush to sell them. I'll now pass over to the brochure to give you a bit more background information on the property. At the Schoenhauser Alley 55, historic flair meets urban luxury. Here, in the heart of Prenzlauerberg, an exciting and incomparable architecture presents itself, old and new, in perfect harmony. It is a house as a symbol of change. Built in the 1850s, this listed building fulfills the dreams of all lovers of Berlin's Wilhelminian-style architecture. Its landstone facade, historic stucco work, and classic old-style floor plans make it an absolute rarity. It is the oldest building in Prenzlauerberg and was renovated a few years ago in close cooperation with the Office for the Protection of Historical Monuments. Since then, the house has been radiating back to its former glory and impresses with historic details. The merchant Hermann Etig built it in 1899 and it functioned as a laundry factory. In the GDR era, the building serves as a metal furniture factory and carpentry. After the fall of time, the house is empty for a few years, and is used as a club room and artist studio. In 2010, the former factory was reconstructed true to the original, and increased by a penthouse, with much respect for the old fabric and history. Added to this were contemporary components such as floor-to-ceiling windows, underfloor heating, open kitchens, balconies, and terraces. Apartments with industrial charm, 11 loft apartments and a commercial unit in a former linen factory. Open floor plans, floor-to-ceiling windows, and the charm of industrial architecture. In the apartments of the former linen factory, past and present form a breathtaking synthesis. 
restaurants, cafes and boutiques, as well as the well-preserved old building structure, make up the excellent infrastructure of the districts of Prenzlauerberg. In the streets between Schönhauser Allee, Kastanien Allee and Papel Allee, Berlin's transformation into one of the most popular cultural metropolises of the world becomes visible and perceptible. Prenzlauer Berg has preserved its charm. Diversity, coupled with the noticeable history that is everywhere, produces this unique blend for which the district is known worldwide. Regardless of whether it's families or singles, entrepreneurs or academics, the central location, good infrastructure with high quality of life, makes the district one of the most popular in the city. I met Tatiana for a chat on a public bench near the apartment. Hi, Tatiana. Thanks for joining me uh, to view property on Schoenhauser Alley. Maybe you can just introduce yourself briefly and say a bit about what you do. Okay. I'm Tatiana Schneider. I teach history and theory at the Technical University of Braunschweig. I'm interested in the production of space from a citizen perspective, you could say. I'm interested in how space is produced, why it is produced, and what certain forms of development tend to make, tend to turn a city into. And how are you feeling about going to see this property today? Are you familiar at all with the kind of luxury end of property in Berlin or in Germany? I've never been to view a luxury property. I've never looked at these spaces from the perspective of someone could potentially buy this. I am familiar with these places on a, on a, on a, on a level of city development and, um, and uh, especially in the context of rent increases, gentrification and what these developments tend to, the consequences these kind of developments have on the development of certain areas. I think I read that the prices of property in Berlin had increased more within the last three years than anywhere else in the world, which is quite incredible. Mm -hmm. But do you think this is a situation kind of unique to Berlin or do you think this is happening in other German cities as well? Oh, it's, hap it's, it's happening in many other German cities, one of the worst. <laughs> Uh, cases is, is Munich, yeah. of course. Munich is, um, is which is, is a lot quite, more expensive, right? It's a, yeah, Munich started off from a much higher level, which is why maybe the percentage increase might not be as dramatic as the one you find in Berlin. So um, prices, Munich's always been relatively expensive. And in Berlin, uh, property was until very recent, until 10, 15 years ago, probably very cheap. It's Berlin is also um, traditionally a city where, um, which has a very, very high rental market. So um, most flats in Berlin are rented. And this differs slightly to, to other countries. But, but Munich certainly and, and mm. Hamburg have a very intense property market in that spectrum as well. But because they've always been a little bit more expensive, I think yeah. this city, um, Berlin, felt it more than other German cities. Yeah, because uh -huh. it's kind of, I guess, things have changed since in a relatively short space yes, of time here. That also, and that kind of, yeah. And I don't know, I mean, like, from, from what I'm kind of looking at with these these kind of new property developments and, and from reading various things, it seems that... It's also this particular history in Berlin um, that's being used, like, as a way to kind of, you know, you can own property on where, like, you know, like where the wall used to be. You can own right. luxury property here okay. now. 
Okay. So I think like I'm, I'm viewing a place next week that's claimed to be like the first high rise living apartment in Berlin when it was built and was built just beside the, what was the last remaining part of the wall. Ostbahnhof. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the place is yeah, yeah, it's yeah, called yeah. like living yeah, yeah. levels or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I, I'm not I'm not very familiar. This is my first viewing here. So I'm going in quite yeah. naively. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're sitting here in a, in a square and um, around us um, are clearly also rental apartments. Mm. And you see the sign. Which, which is on the wall of that grey house yeah. which um, says stop wailing hunt the rent shark yeah so um, it's a, it's interesting no? the, 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 these kind of developments mm. in, a, in a context of um, of an area that and really until very recently was super cheap but everyone is feeling the increases is feeling how much rents can still increase and are being increased because of properties like this also of yeah. course no? there's a lot of money coming into the area and it's not just the housing obviously that changes it's, it's the, the cafes that are popping up it's the little yeah. shops that are popping up it's this and that and the other I, I don't want to say they're dangerous as such but of course they have an impact on the existing population quite an intense impact mm. so there could be rent control but basically you might find yourself living in an area where you can't afford to buy food in the shops yes, or exactly. yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm wondering, I was reading some of your writing about flexible housing. Okay. I don't know if you could maybe just say a little bit about how that might relate to current housing developments that are springing up. I mean, which for me, for example, the type of housing I see being built in London is incredibly crazy kind of inbuilt obsolescence. These places look like they're not going to last 20 years. Yeah. I mean, they feel flimsy. They feel yeah. that the quality yeah. is kind of dreadful. Okay, so I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing that place because I have a sense, and and we'll see whether it's true or not, that these properties in the German context tend to be relatively well constructed. So there is uh, these types of flats, similar to the UK, but uh, from a construction end, very, very different. They are seen as obviously investment opportunities also for old age. You, you're just realizing, I think, that I'm not too familiar with uh, exactly what type of people are moving into these things. No? Yeah. <laughs> but um, but what, what tends to happen is that that is similar in Vienna, is that a particular type of flat is being designed and built that uh, is of very, very high quality. So not at all flimsy, not at all in, in the same kind of building obsolescence that you find in the, in, the, in the UK buildings, but buildings that can actually change, that are yeah. adaptable, that, uh, that have a high degree of flexibility. But we'll have to see what, what reality, we come out, yeah. out with. I mean, my, it's, yeah, from looking, even just from looking at the yeah. photograph, yeah. And like the specs, the yeah. square footage, I'm yeah. like, wow, this looks infinitely better quality and better yeah. value than obviously yeah, anything yeah. you get in London. What do you find with developers and, and banks and also consultants who advise on which properties to buy as investment, you, you find that they emphasize the, the specs of a building quite, um, you know, they put that into the center of attention. No? So they yeah. say, watch out for the, the quality of the fittings, for example, or this mm. building you, you're investing in, it should have a very high quality finishings in terms of floors, in terms of windows. Now, low energy standards, I think, are enforced much more in Germany than they are in the UK, which is why obviously a certain type of materials, a certain type of construction is, um, is also 
also emphasized as being better than other standards. So these brochures, they say, for example, that don't go for concrete buildings. No? Use buildings that were built with uh, with bricks because they have mm. a better climate afterwards. So so yeah. the, the, the architectural specifications, especially for this type of property, I think are absolutely at the top level. But we'll have to see. No? We could of ask course, them what, yeah. what the building is constructed <laughs> with, to, no? um, how, how it performed at an yeah. energy level, which would be interesting uh, because this is uh, this is obviously something so it's seen as an investment into the future, keeping your energy cost low. Mm. I think there's a much stronger sense here of the impact you might have as someone paying your energy bills and so on. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think that's uh, it's a big topic. People are more sensible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know, but it seems that odds also with the international property, um, the international yeah. buyers that are potentially buying these flats also. Oh, who might not be familiar with that kind of discussion. Or, but I think uh, it still becomes a selling point for anyone, yeah, right? Yeah, probably. You know, that yeah. becomes yeah. The, yeah. the unique selling point yeah. of German yeah. property, perhaps. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's not like this end of the market is... There's quite a bit of stuff on the market, I feel. Hmm. Mm, and maybe you know better than, than I. But I don't think that it's very tight, so I don't think it's you only have five properties and 2,000 people wanting to buy those. No, it's, it's okay. more like a yeah. relatively stretched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's I mean, a lot yeah. of stuff out. And Already for me, just making appointments is very different to London because we're making appointments to go and see yeah. actual apartments. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. to see a showroom yeah. Um, yeah. where the apartment will be yeah. finished in four years yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's already sold and been sold yeah. on three times yeah. before it's finished. Exactly. Yeah. So no. I guess you have to be more competitive with the quality. Much more competitive, I think, no? because mm. this is what sells in the end and uh, you go in and you can actually feel the place uh, rather than just having yeah. to imagine it on plans and, yeah uh, it's like you're not just yeah. uh, you going can, online no, and buying it no you touch thing. it you open the window you can see out of that window i think because of that there's all of it is probably of much higher quality. You can see the flaws no? when you go in. You can feel when walls are hollow, when it's built cheaply. You can see it quickly. Yeah. Uh, whereas when you only look at plants, you don't see that stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm sold already. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be quite nice. Yeah. I mean, you'd expect that for one, one and, and a half, half million, million yeah. euros. No, but. absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm intrigued, no? But the potential neighbours, also the neighbouring houses, the kind of people selling it, whether they only have this one property or whether they have more. Yeah, whether... Uh, whether they're specialised in sort of... own it, live in it yeah, or... Yeah, or whether it's a small investor or part of a bigger empire, mm. how they position themselves in that market here. I'm not really sure what this means, but I keep thinking about this idea of the generic in relation to housing and architecture and cities, something being kind of generic or standardised or I guess because for me this project is looking at these properties that are typically marketed to a global audience, there seems to be this imagined standardised ideal of yeah. what people are after. Yeah. And then the result is obviously that you feel like you see exactly the same buildings and properties springing up in all these major cities. Is that something that you feel is happening? Does this idea of the generic not um, really exist? I think it exists in, in some parts of the world in many parts of the world but I feel that many of the properties here in this city play with a different idea. Mm. So you mentioned before that there seems to be a strong emphasis on the historic 
the embedding of those properties into some kind of historic trajectory, that you would become part of a city that was divided and it's now unified and you can look still onto that strip um, where the division of the city was. There's other bits and uh, other buildings which deal with that unique Berlin apartment house uh, condition. Mm. So for me, Berlin seems to be Uh, at the moment, at least, uh, still much less about these generic ideas of what living might mean or what you might buy also off plan, but yeah. um, be about a very particular uh, situation, a very sort of sentimental situation, I think, also for many uh, people. Uh, many Americans also have a very sentimental relationship, I think, mm. with the city, and, and, and so do the British, I think, because of that, because of the war, what happened after the war, and, and, um, and, and how all of that developed. So, um, for me, this kind of sentiment, I think, is, is, is in the city here stronger than in other places. Places, but um, but what you're referring to this uh, generic idea of, of what things are you do find it of course speculative developments uh, in um, whether you go to India to Australia to the US to the UK to maybe even Frankfurt no because mm. in Frankfurt you also have that particular global audience that might be expected to find goes, a standard that it goes maybe hand in hand with finance but the finance than, as well no? Frankfurt would have been a city to mention as well earlier on no? in terms of yeah. German cities um, who are experiencing that kind of thing in Frankfurt in particular of course because of Brexit and financial things yeah. moving over to that city um, uh, here I think it's not so much of an issue but of mm. course it, it is no? because also you have the same global firms building things you have the, the same uh, global companies providing um, materials for these buildings. You mm. have certain standards that, building standards in, in terms of sizes um, of building material that are global. You have yeah. the same financial systems that are financing properties. So mm. there is there is a certain level of, of, of uh, genericness because of uh, the globalization I think of the building and financial industries. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I guess it's also, I mean, I hate to use this word but it's like a it's perceived as such a creative city you know a city for artists and perhaps alternative ways of living maybe less so now but um, I guess that is taken into consideration by yeah. those who build yeah, buildings yeah. and sell apartments yeah, and yeah so I think it's it's the same kind of sentiment that mm. um, that comes into these kind of things no yeah. also so it's not just the wall of course no but, it, yeah. but it's the um, relative diversity as well that comes into that no the anarchists and no and Lots yeah. of different groups. It's got a, a great club culture, and uh, you know, so people might still remember it from raving here in the in the in the early '90s. And they've now come into some bit uh, bit of money, and now <laughs> you're going back to those roots. And you know, mm. so it's, it's it's these kind of memory machines which I think are at play here in this yeah. city. And it's still a city um, where you can afford, no? So it's not mm. like London. It's not like um, Tokyo. It's not like um, Paris, even where you yeah. you only get a shoebox for that kind yeah, of money. Yeah. But um, you, it's still spacious. It still has a lot of parks. It's green. Mm. No? It's easy Super to get green. around. You can cycle. So it's it's got a very high living standard in many ways. Mm. And I think this is super attractive, you know, especially in this context: um, London, Berlin, and no, or yeah, yeah. other U.S. cities. No, it's it's still cheap. One and a half million for a two-bedroom flat yeah. on a global level. <laughs> yeah, for no. a certain, you know, for yeah. a certain spec, it's still cheap in the middle of the city. No? Yeah. Yeah, with a super a nice high. City. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's perverse. 
it's absolutely perverse. But um, you might have flats around here which which still have a rental um, price of I don't know five euros per square meters or even lower than that. So mm. uh, I, I know a property relatively close by which is owned by the Mieters Syndicate, and they pay two euros eighty for for a square meter. Now, so you live on one hundred and fifty, two hundred wow. square meters for five hundred euros. So yeah, and and within that context, you have these. Um, yeah, I don't know what this would work out at in terms of a rental price if you were to buy it to let out again. But uh, yeah, you'd probably yeah. go to 20, 25 euros per square meters. And uh, it's, um, yeah. It's I actually, I read that this was a lot of people who did start investing in property here, like people yeah. who were not that familiar yeah. with Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then bought the property and then were like, realized that they couldn't charge such yeah. high rents yeah. because there is control and like yeah, yeah the, the, the investment basically failed yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so they had they, I don't know they have to sell it or they just have to live in it again. or something yeah. but yeah I think that's that's quite nice yeah well yeah it's still on the market I guess <laughs> yeah but, well yeah it's not, better than yeah handing investing. it out for uh, I don't know five euros suddenly or so yeah so. Um, okay we yeah. shall go, go now yeah. and see the property and then see what happens again. Asset Arrest, your global agent for accessing the property you can't afford. Okay, so we're just we're just fresh out of our viewing of Schoenhauser Alley 55. What, what, what were your impressions, Tatiana? Well, uh, <laughs> I was a little bit surprised. No? Um, I'm, I'm from the brochures that... I looked at and the documentation you sent me, I expected this to be, uh, well, much more stunning in a way and much more done up. Yeah, it was, uh, it it looked, yeah, it it, it wasn't at all. There was a kitchen in there, there was a bathroom, but there were holes in the wall. Yeah, uh, the floor didn't look like it did in the brochure. Yeah, the floor was different and had been... Uh, properly clean so um, mm. I would have expected a place that uh, is advertised for that much money to be uh, presented in a different fashion <laughs> at least let's put it that way now um, lovely courtyard um, quite spacious but uh, in the end uh, I don't know I didn't really think it was worth 1.4 million <laughs> but uh, I'm no. not familiar with the market no? and uh, you coming from London, you might think differently about this, but um, it, uh, it felt a little, um, yeah. So we talked about flimsiness before, and mm. much of it felt flimsy. That's what yeah. I thought, especially about the kitchen, the, kitchen, the fittings, yeah. everything yeah. was very flimsy there, yeah. Yeah. which you, if you pay that in London, you'll get something that at least looks like looks, it's yeah. better quality, yeah, yeah. even if it falls yeah. apart. The flooring in the bathroom was relatively cheap, no? The, yeah. The kitchen... Yeah, it did surprise me in that way. Yeah. I mean, I did think it, in terms of space, I mm. thought it was very large. But when I when now I'm, when now I'm reflecting, when I'm not in the yeah. kind of like slightly awkward situation of pretending to be interested, I'm thinking, no, it was just open plan. It wasn't yeah. huge. It was just open plan. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. if you paid that in London and you had, say, part of that living room sectioned off to be a bedroom then it's kind of normal that that I think is it must be illustrative of the, the price of things increasing so much yeah. I mean I think that's crazy be. yeah it must be that's a lot uh, that yeah. is a lot of money for yeah. what that is uh, yeah. I mean it looks so, kind of cool you know it looks kind of like yeah you oh can, you're living yeah. in a yeah and you don't I mean you don't have 
an opposite, no, really, no. You have mm. just your your um, your facing blank wall, the firewall, no, the Brandwand, uh, which um, sits there, and it's a lovely balcony. But in terms of spatial qualities, mm. there wasn't really that much to it. No, but I, I think you're absolutely right. It must be indicative of um, of the prices around here. And she was talking about flats in the front building facing the. Uh, un the elevated underground, so a relatively mm. noisy road, 107 square meters going for around 700,000 euros, no? mm. 690 she mentioned. Yeah, we should do our sums in terms of square meterage, yeah. I think, but uh, it seems dear. <laughs> yeah. It seems quite dear. But maybe, I mean, is that just to do with because they're selling it to like a fairly ignorant global market like you know she's like an Israeli investor yeah. you know people who don't really understand the value of things it in the be. city yeah it could be because yeah otherwise people have lots of money anyway you know why would you no, I, I don't know Or maybe it's like they're good at branding and marketing so they make it seem worth so much more and, yeah. and that goes a long way I guess yeah she seemed very confident that that was like an amazing deal yeah which <laughs> I know she's meant to do that as part of her yeah. her act, but I'm, I'm intrigued to yeah. view other places that are like yeah. more expensive or the same price. Yeah, see. Uh, yeah. For for a city like this, it seems uh, completely out of proportion. Mm. Uh, and uh, I mean, it comes it comes with all the other awkward things you you might expect. Maybe a, a sort of representative entrance. Mm. It wasn't barrier free. I don't know whether you noticed the step going into the the apartment. No, and then the yeah, steps yeah, from yeah. the courtyard into the building. So not barrier free mm. at all. Uh, The, the parking was there, but felt really tight and awkward in the basement. No, yeah. the, the lift down and this funny fanning out of, of cars there and, uh, and the entrance situation into the building. Mm. I mean, um, yeah, you, it's, it's typically Berlin in a way, no? but it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit rough, but not too rough. But mm. um, it's not, not that kind of representative entrance that you might expect to yeah I kind of liked that uh -huh. but that, I mean it doesn't yeah. add up yeah, with the yeah, price you know, the, the understatement of but it, the huh? yeah. you know for that price in London if you get like a new build place you're probably going to have like a concierge yeah. no for, for it seems low key mm. no? and this is what's scary maybe as well And you might low see that, key with a high price. Yeah, like, low key with a high price. Mm. But but maybe that's really an indication of uh, that you don't really get that much for that amount of money in any Berlin. longer in Berlin. Yeah. But she talked um, maybe something also. Um, again, she said she talked of international investors, many people in the building speaking English. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointing. Yeah. No, because yeah, I was really expecting more. You know, we talked about um, no, when I said earlier that um, things tend to be of really high quality as well. Mm. And I was completely struck at by how how low the quality seemed and how little this place had been done up. I think I were the uh, estate agent. I think I would have spent a couple of thousand euros to clean it up at least. Clean the floors and clean the walls and make it look a little bit more presentable. Seems a little bit... I think um, the owner would have done that, Less right? affair no, yeah. about it. Uh, yeah, it, it scares me a little bit. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Because, yeah, can ask a lot for, for something that, yeah, yeah and a then little bit shitty in the end. If they can do that and if they can sell these things, then 
the impact that has on everyone else in the city. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, well yeah. yeah, thanks for coming to see that with yeah. me. And yeah. I guess we won't be buying it. No. In his 2006 essay, Euro Commentary, Anglophone Urban Studies in the European City, some comments on interpreting Berlin, Alan Latham criticised recent Anglophone writing on Berlin for reflecting a consensus position that used a template defined by globalising neoliberalism. Latham writes, The blurring out of the rest of the city which occurs through much of this work is a product of focusing so much attention on the prestigious, globally or even simply nationally orientated developments and the arguments around them. Because following on from everything recent Anglophone urban literature has told us, it is these places that really matter. Because we live in a globalizing world dominated by global corporations, we need to focus on their behavior. Because we live in a neoliberalizing world orientated exclusively on economic growth, we need to focus on cities' attempts at place marketing. Because we live in a world dominated by consumption and a parallel aestheticization of public space, we have to look at the spaces that most embody this trend. And of course, the end result of this is picture of a more polarised, less inclusive city. I'm going to leave you with that thought as I delve further into the luxury property market in Berlin, the rapidly increasing and non-negotiable prices, and how this is affecting the city and its existing communities. Goodbye.